Welcome everyone to Podcast 27. Today we are looking at transformation, we're looking at change. Is it even possible? Well, absolutely, Jesus would say, it's what salvation is all about. Well, we all have different ideas about what salvation is, but one thing that Jesus certainly teaches us is that it's for today, it's for now, and it's all about change. And what we're going to be doing is, our text is uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 2, 1 through 11. And you know, this is a very interesting passage because we're looking at Jesus' very first miracle that John recorded. And it's interesting that he chose Jesus changing water into wine as the very first miracle to record. Isn't that interesting? Now, what's interesting about it is, is that nobody else mentions this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, no one else has Jesus changing water into wine. And yet for John, one of his closest friends, he put this at the front end of the book. It's like, this is important. I want people to know about this. It's important the day that he changed water into wine. Now, John also said at the end of this gospel, this book, gospel just means good news, but at the end of his book, he said, I haven't told you everything he said or did. John says, I couldn't write down. Not all the books in the world could contain all the amazing things that Jesus said or did. Of course, he's exaggerating. But the point is, is that the writer, John, he had to pick and choose what to tell us. If Jesus did lots of things and had lots of teachings, he had to pick and choose, what am I going to, what am I going to record here for the next generation? Now, he was one of Jesus' closest disciples. We get the impression that Peter, James, and John were especially close to Jesus. So for John, it's almost like, okay, how would, how would your best friend describe you? You know, when John describes his best friend, one of his closest friends, he begins his book with this account of Jesus changing water into wine. Nobody else records this. No one else mentions this. And yet Jesus... John takes Jesus and he sets them first miracle at a party. This is the picture he wants us to see. And it's almost like John is saying, whatever ideas you have about Jesus, I want you to know this. This is one who knew how to enjoy life. I'm going to start this book. I'm going to start his list of miracles. I'm going to tell you about the day that we were at a wedding feast I'm going to tell you about the day that he changed water into wine. This is how John remembers Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Now, another thing that you may not have noticed before, but the Gospel of John, John never calls Jesus' miracles miracles. He calls them signs. So when he tells you about a miracle, he'll say, this is the sign that Jesus did. And there's a reason, I think, that he calls them signs. For example, when you think of a road sign, a road sign 
gives you some sort of information. It tells you to stop or yield or give way or go. It's giving you instruction. It's giving you information. So when John tells you about a miracle or a sign, it's a way of saying this sign contains important information for your life. This is something that you need to know either about God or yourself or the world or others. In some way, the sign is going to benefit you, provided you read it, right? So he starts off with Jesus at a party, enjoying life, celebrating love. Now, just as a sideline, this picture is very different than how many people were raised in previous generations. Because for many, many people, for centuries, God was disapproving. Certainly not a party person. Nothing about celebration parties and water into wine and feasts, right? For many generations, God has been viewed as disapproving, the wagging finger, the stern, unapproachable, disapproving, angry, punishing God. I mean, really, is it any wonder people left the church in droves? Well, John would say, you have no idea. This is one who is filled with grace and truth, and joy, and you come into his presence, you've never felt more loved. You've never felt more alive. You've never felt more accepted in your whole life. This is a joy bringer. This one's a joy bringer. Let me tell you about his first sign. Let me tell you about his first sign. So briefly, he's, Jesus is at this wedding feast. You know, they lasted seven days Presumably people went home in between, you know, after the feast and celebration, but actually lasted seven days. And I just think, I just noticed this, I think it's really interesting that the first line is, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. So he even starts it off with a little hint, it's almost like a little code. On the third day something happened. On the third day, something happened. Now, if you've got any uh, Christian background at all, you know that the third day is really important because, of course, that's a, a day, the third day around Easter is resurrection. Something highly unusual happens. So <laughs> I think it's just interesting that John starts off this way. On the third day, they're at the wedding. His mom's there. Brothers are there disciples. The worst thing that can happen if you're a host happened, you run out of wine. And his mother notices this young couple's dilemma. And in verse 3, she says, and no doubt she gives Jesus a nudge, although the text doesn't say that, but she notices that they've run out of wine. It's the third day. They've got seven to go. And she says to Jesus, verse 3, they've run out of wine. Now, she's expecting him to do something. Now, what she's expecting, we don't know. I mean, does she expect him to make a Safeway run or the equivalent in those days? Who knows? 
Does she expect him to do some sort of miracle? Uh, possibly not, because as far as we know, n none have happened yet. So she says to him, they've run out of wine, and Jesus responds with an answer that implies disengagement. He replies with, what's that to me or you? It's almost like he's saying it's none of her business. It's, it's none of her business. Well, like any normal mother, she doesn't take no for an answer, right? Wish we could see her expression. I mean, is she looking over her glasses? We have no idea what her expression is. But she doesn't take no for an answer. She turns to the servants, fully expecting him to do something, because she says to the servants there, do whatever he tells you. Well, her persistence pays off. Uh, do whatever he tells you. And Jesus looked at the servants and told the servants to fill the six large stone water jars that were standing nearby with water. And the servants filled them with water, and then they were told to draw some of the water out and take it to the chief wine steward. When the wine steward tasted the water, it had become the finest quality wine. 180 gallons of it. More than you would ever, ever need. Now that would be worthwhile pondering. We don't have time to go into all of that, but it's way too much. It's extravagant. It's over the top. I mean, they could have sold it and had their down payment on their house with this kind of money. I think it's a little hint of what, how God does things that we miss. But anyway, the water's turned into the finest wine. And John goes on to tell us that not everyone at the party sees nor understands Jesus' first sign. As far as the waiter is concerned, the waiter's just puzzled. The waiter says, why are you serving the best quality wine this late in the party? I mean, who can appreciate it at this time of night? Usually people serve the best wine first, and then they, then they serve the poorer quality when people are getting drunk. Why are you serving the very best wine now? And then it says in verse 11, Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. His students believed in him. So at least the disciples understand something about this sign because the end result is they believed in him. Well, don't they already believe in him? I mean, they had followed Jesus when he called them, so there was certainly something compelling about him. But there must have been a lack of certainty because after this sign, they believe in him even more which I think is actually our experience in some ways. I think that revelation is progressive, in other words. It's the way it is in our lives. We, our understanding of God changes as we grow. If we keep growing, our picture of God changes over time. Now, not for everyone, because not everyone keeps growing. I mean, I don't think the same way about myself or people or God as I did 10 years ago. Right? Did I believe in God 10 years ago? Yes. 
But I'm changing and I'm growing in my faith and in my understanding of myself and the world and people and the way that people work. And I think that was true of the disciples. I think that's true of everyone. They see him bring about this change in the water into the finest wine, and it changes their view of him. It it expands their view of him. Verse 11 says, Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Well, what does the sign actually tell us? I mean, if it's an information sign, what? why is John giving us this? I mean, it's great for the young couple 2,000 years ago, right? But why would John want to pass this down to the next generation? Well, you know, at the end of his book, John said, and this is chapter 20, he said, you know, I've written all this so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. It's like John saying, he changed water into wine. He did this all the time, wherever he goes. Wherever he is, people change. It's who he is. Down throughout history and time, he brings transformation. Know this about the one you're following. If he can change water into wine, think what else he can change. See, John John experienced this firsthand. He, He saw, for example, Peter, who was quite fearful at times, Peter the disciple. He saw Peter, who was quite fearful at times, grow into a courageous leader. How can it be? Well, people change in his company. You know, why do parents worry about their young teenagers, who their young teenagers hang out with? Why do they worry about that? Well, yeah. Yeah, they don't, they don't want them to be, they want them to be influenced by the right people. See, we're, we're influenced by the company we keep. And John is saying, you spend time with this one, you get to know this one, you walk with this one, and something, something new will show in you. Something new will uh, come about. Gone are the old ways. It's like water into wine. Transformation and change is absolutely possible. John saw miserly cheats like Zacchaeus become generous and honest in his company. Uh, Situations can change. People change. We can change. John thinks it's very important to know this. If he can change water into wine, things that normally are impossible, things that just don't happen on the third day, if he can bring a change about there and surprise everyone by joy, could it be that this is the way God operates in the world and in our lives? Could it be that God wants to help us? God wants to help us. And maybe, granted, maybe in the background, behind the scenes, almost hidden, working quietly away, bringing change. You know what's intriguing is, is that not everyone at the party is aware what's happening. It's like it's not obvious to everyone. And isn't that the case in our world? That in spiritual matters, I mean, some people are just really, they're just not aware. They're really not aware. 
You know, when we get into struggles and dilemmas of various kinds, God desires to bring transformation to us. God desires to bring change. For example, I mean, perhaps it's, it might even be a change of perspective. One day you have an epiphany. I don't think I've taken the best approach to this problem. I think I'll do something differently. That's transformation. That's a big deal. Your thinking changed, so your action changes. Or maybe it's a change in how you view yourself. Sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. What if you've never liked yourself and God wants to show you how to love yourself? Which, by the way, is a very, very important spiritual uh, growth point for many people. Maybe it's a change on how you're going to approach a work conflict or a family disagreement. Maybe you decide to make a change in your lifestyle and how you spend or how you eat or how you date or your schedule. All steps of change for health and healing and balance ultimately come from the author of life. Ultimately. Where do the ideas come from? Yeah, it was Paul that wrote um, Philippians. God works in you the will and God works in you to will and to do God's good pleasure. It's like Paul saying, God gives you the will to move ahead toward what is good and true and helpful. And not only does God give you the will, the idea, the heart for moving ahead, God also comes along and supports you, gives you the energy and the help and the strength so that you can move ahead so that we're not stuck. The curious fact about people is, is that we can continue in behaviors that make us unhappy and the people around us unhappy. We can continue in behaviors that make us unhappy and we keep on doing the same thing. It's like we get locked into unhelpful ways of responding. And I think really the, the key is, always in the spiritual life, is openness. Openness. It breaks the lock and it frees us. Openness to change. Openness to healing. It's really a key. It opens and frees us. And, and by the way, openness is certainly not something that you can give someone. You know, this is why we can't make someone else change. We can only change ourselves. I think we could save ourselves years of frustration to remember that, that we are never called to change someone else. Transfer transformation is about our, we're changing, right? Very important spiritual principle that can save us a lot of frustration. You can't make somebody else change. But one way to read this sign is, is that God is saying, it might be impossible for you. There are many things that are impossible for you, but it's not impossible for me. Or the sign might read, it's not something that you can change on your own, but I can. Or the sign might read, you are limited in what you can do. But I'm not. See, it's all about water 
into wine. Transformation. Change. Yes, I'm open to change. There's the heart cry. I'm tired of doing life the old way. I'm tired of getting tripped up by the old things. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I've come that you might have life. Set you free from the old ways. Transform you that you might experience more. He called it abundant life. Thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher and we've been looking at the wisdom of Jesus, the life bringer. Join me again next week for another episode of Celtic Preacher.